This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome in. Seek Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schler, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Millennial Ben helping out as well. like to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Superbook for America's Best Bet. You can trust Superbook. Mike, how are you, my friend? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Um, just kind of watching this whole Aaron Rodgers thing, which which I guess finally we got some fresh news on it, right? When he went on Sports Center, Kenny Maine's uh, f- a farewell, and the, the two of them are friends, and Kenny Maine asked him about, you know, where, where his head's at. And if, if for those who missed it, here's what Rodgers had to say about his current situation with the Packers. That was a good question. You know, I think, I think sometimes people forget uh, what really makes an organization. And, uh, you know, history is important. Uh, you know, legacy of so many uh, people who've come before you. But the people, that's the most important thing. The people make an organization. People make a business. Um, and sometimes uh, that gets forgotten. You know, culture is built brick by brick, the foundation of it by the people. You know, not by the, not by the organization, not by the building, not by the, the corporation. It's built by the people. And I've been fortunate enough to play with a number of amazing, amazing people and got to work for some amazing people as well. And it's those people that build the foundation of those entities. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, uh, are you demanding my, a trade with, yeah, with my situation, look, it's, it's never been about, uh, you know, never been about the draft pick, uh, picking Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. Um, you know, he, he a lot of fun to, to work together. Uh, I love coaching staff, love my teammates, you know, love the fan base in green Bay. It's incredible, incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a, a, a philosophy, you know, and and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about it's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. And a lot of this was put in motion last year, and uh, the wrench was just kind of thrown into it when I won MVP and played uh, the way I played last year. So this is just kind of I think uh, the the spill out of all that, but. Look, man, it is about the people, and that's the most important thing. Green Bay has always been about the people, from Curly Lambeau uh, being owner and founder to the 60s with Lombardi and Bart Starr and all those incredible names, to the 90s teams with Coach Holmgren and Farvey and the Minister of Defense to the, the run that we've been on. It's about it's about the people. So what's what's your take on all of this? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that, that resonate with me, and, and Aaron Rodgers is 100% right. I think oftentimes teams tend to tend to start looking at themselves as the reason they have success. Like the team, the organization, the coaches. Like schemes are great, Mike. Putting a great scheme together is awesome, and you have to have that. But ultimately, it's the players. It's the players, and it is the relationships. It is 
how you build those relationships. It is how you grow together, how you sacrifice for one another. That's what makes a great organization. And, you know, that really resonates with me when Aaron talks about character and culture being built brick by brick and all that stuff I just think is so vitally important to building any organization. And it is about the people. It is about the way that you're treated. It is about the way that you're collaborative. It is about all those things. And I think oftentimes in the NFL or in professional sports in general that people get enamored with what they do. You know, they get enamored with the way they scheme, the way they do things. And ultimately, you got to have players that can execute. Schemes are great. You know what's better than schemes? Players. Players are what wins you wins you football games and gives you a chance so to win championships. So who is he pissed at? Well, I think he's pissed. I I personally think he's pissed, obviously, at the GM. And I think he's pissed at the organizational structure. And, you know, you know interestingly enough, some things resonate with you as a player. And I don't know exactly when, what went on in like in the back end b- behind the scenes but if you're told one thing by the organization and they do the exact opposite of that one thing or if they ask you for your opinion and you give them your opinion and they go 100% like 180 the other direction it it can wear on you now I was never in a position like Aaron Rodgers to you know to be able to give you my weighted opinion on something Because, you know, I mean, I didn't have that pull. I wasn't that caliber player. I wasn't the quarterback. But if you've said, hey, Aaron, we want your input, and then you never listen to the input, well, then you're just full of shit, right? And, And that, I think there's a lot of those little things. You know, he mentions, I love, you know, Jordan Love. He's a great kid. We've got a great relationship. It's not about Jordan Love. But if you were asked for your input and your input was, man, let's go get ourselves an, a, another weapon opposite Devontae, yeah, opposite Devontae Adams, right? It's the number one wide receiver class in football. Let's get somebody opposite him. Let's go, you know. And then all of a sudden, you take Jordan Love as opposed to taking, where did Jeffries go? The kid from Minnesota, right? Where did Jeffrey go? Jefferson. Jefferson, I mean, yeah. yeah, what did I say? Jefferson. 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 Where right. did Jefferson go? Like, where was that? Well, where, what was that? Where, where did he get drafted? Hold on for a second. Play some efforting music for me, will you? <laughs> de, 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 de. The 2020 and draft, and NFL draft. Wherever I go. Yes, and, and uh, we do this on our show yes, all the time. It's, it's, a, it's a hit, trust me, folks. Right, yeah, it's okay. Good. It's really, you know, really. Maybe you need to listen to it a, a, a few more times to truly appreciate the greatness. But, right, uh, right, exactly. So just understand that that's. that's <laughs> We're getting real work done here. That yes, will right. only lead to the All right, so, improvement of this podcast. So Burrow was taken number one overall, Chase Young two, Okuda three. Um, all right, let's see. So you got CeeDee Lamb taking 17. I thought he was really good um, as a wide receiver. Rieger, Jalen Rieger was taking number 21. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson taking 22. Jordan Love taking 26. Um, and so, 
you know, to me, Ayuk taking 25 right above Jordan Jefferson. So, like, if you've if you've And even some down, of the guys that went after Jordan Love that were still on the board that you could have taken, guys like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman. Yeah. You know, good receivers in in a, in a very deep class. So, you know, if you've been told, hey, what what's your opinion? What are you thinking? And you're like, hey, man, I really like, you know, somebody opposite, whatever, or, uh, you know, a dominant – kind of a dominant hybrid tight end that we've, you know, that everybody who's really good has seems to have that guy. And, you know, nine years in a row you've drafted defense. That's not on on Gutenkunz uh, or whatever his name is. Yeah, I mean, but but you know what I'm saying. And so at some point you just go, this is this is total bullshit. Like one of the things that, that happened to me, and I'm still, I don't know that I'm, I'm bitter about it because um, – I'm still really good friends with the people who did it. But, you know, late in my career in Washington, my last couple of years, you know, it was I played all of 92, needing knee surgery and elbow surgery. Um, You know, every day you're called a warrior. Every day, blah, 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 blah. 93, I got really sick and missed the last half of the season with Guillaume Barre. Guillaume Barre. How is it? Is it Barre? I think it's Barre. Yeah, Barre syndrome. I never can say it, um, but I mean, I was I was really sick, Mike. I was uh, I lost. Shoot, I went from two ninety five down to two thirty five. I lost all the feeling in my arms and legs for four months. You know, I came back to training camp. I was only two sixty eight. I had a a toe and part of my foot was still numb. Um, like I wasn't in very good shape, and so I go to training camp and I'm playing. And they, they brought somebody in. It was Norv Turner's first year. And Norv brought somebody in, John Giesick, to essentially replace me. Well, John hurts his neck. And so and yeah, I end up starting. And right before the first game on Friday, they called me up to the GM's office and said, hey, here's a new contract. You either take this pay cut or right after the game we're going to release you. So Damn. That, that happened, right? And, you know, it, it, it's the way the NFL operates, so it is what it is. But the thing that really irritated me was, you know, for years I've been called a warrior. For years it was, like, so important and tone-setting in the way you play, even though you're hurt and this, that, and the other. And then in 94, you know, I'm rotating with John Giesick when he comes back. He's healthy, then he gets hurt again. And I start, you know, I, I'm starting every game, Um in the last four or five games of the season, started to play really well. Got my strength back, got my weight back, and um, and we have the season ending. You know, you have your season ending kind of check out with your coaches. And my coach, who's a dear friend, just passed away. The great Jim Hannafin. We're sitting in his office, and you know, I don't get I don't get mad about much. I'm just I'm a teddy bear, and so it takes a lot to get me kind of over the edge, and. He said, hey, listen, you know, we rotated you this year because um, we were really concerned about your health. And, um, you know, that's why we ended up doing that. And I was like, fuck you. Don't give me that bullshit. You know, that has not you, – you, you snapped right away. Yeah, right <clears throat> away. I was so mad because it was so false. It was so untrue. And he wasn't expecting it from me because, you know – I normally wouldn't say, you know, crap with a mouthful, right? But I was just so upset by that comment. And and to to Jimmy's credit, and Jimmy and I are dear friends. He just passed away a little bit ago, but a couple months ago. Um, but 
and we're dear friends. We remain dear friends. Um, and I understand he was kind of, you got to toe the company yeah, right. line, right? But don't give me a, and, and so he apologized. He goes, you're right. You know, I'm sorry. I should have never done that. And ultimately, though, what it ended up doing is it ended up making me go, I just don't want to play here anymore. I need, I need to be out. I can't have you guys feed me this line of crap, right? And I, I just, it's time. It's time for me to leave. It's time for you guys to do your own thing. And um, you, which was which was the best decision I had ever made, you know, in my football career. But at the same time, at that point, you know, it was you, you're going into the great unknown, and I I had no idea. Like it's easier to stick where you're at. Mm-hmm. At least you have familiarity with it, right? But anyhow, it ended up working out. But I was after that, I was done. I was like, because I had thought about. Hey man, I'm starting to play well again. I'll get an opportunity. I think I'm a better player than anybody they could try to replace me with. Blah blah blah. And what it came down to is it was it was just time to go. And I feel kind of like that's where Aaron Rodgers is. Well, then let me connect the dots. Then so then, to me, the most important figure now becomes Mark Murphy, the the CEO of the Packers, because here's a guy who's been around for the last you know 13, 14, 15 years. He's seen Favre. He's seen Rodgers. I mean he. He knows mm-hmm. better than anybody, you know, the importance of guys like this. So either he is complicit in knowing that, you know, Brian Gutenkus said, hey, well, we want your opinion, your feedback, and then you don't give it to him, then Murphy is complicit with this as well. Or, you know, Murphy has to look at it and say, hey, wait a minute, Brian, you – said you were going to do this for for Rodgers. You didn't. Now he's pissed. I got to choose between the two of you. You're gone. Right. Yeah, I think um, Aaron has referred to it several different times, like kind of to the degree of I've thrown a monkey wrench into your guys' plans because you plan on, you know, playing me one year and, 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 and pushing me out to, you know, sending me off into the wild blue yonder. Okay, that's a talent that's that's a talent evaluation that the front office had. That's different than, hey, we believe you can be the guy for several more years, so much so that we want your input, mm-hmm. and now we're not giving it to you. You know what I mean? That's that that those are different issues. Right, right. No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. But I think I think what ends up happening is they're looking at it like, hey, man, we can move on. Mm-hmm. You know, we can rebuild. We can. You know, we can rely on a young quarterback. He's going to have some growing pains. We know that. But, again, we've got this great system. But here's the deal. What we don't want to do is we don't want to hamstring our franchise for another five years if we think that Aaron Rodgers is only going to be really legit for two more years. Okay. And and I know quarterbacks are playing in their 40s. Um, I get all that. You know, I, I get what Tom Brady has done. I get what... Drew Brees is done. I, I get all that. But, you know, Aaron is hosting Jeopardy. Aaron's mm-hmm. got, he's got, you know, other things going on as well. So I can see where, I can see where the Packers are like, hey, we've got this grand plan. And then Aaron plays at an MVP level where he's, you know, throwing 40 plus touchdowns and five interceptions. And you're just like, Lord have mercy. Now what? And, and obviously he's pissed. He's pissed at, at like, as a player, Mike, you see it all the time. You you've watched the hard knocks, right? Yep. 
you watch guys get cut and turn in your playbook, and they're just so thankful, like, hey, man, thanks for the opportunity. Then they load up a trash bag full of crap, and they walk out. Like, the bottom line for most players is I, I can handle the truth. Just give me the truth, but don't. Just don't lie. Just don't lie about it, right? Don't. Th- this game is really hard. Don't lie to me. But, I, I, but even, okay, and, and, and I know maybe I'm just having a hard time figuring this out and maybe everyone else can see it, but, okay, let's say let's say the, the monkey wrench thing. They had already kind of made up their, their mind that, you know, he's only got a couple years left, and then all of a sudden, boom, he gives a, an MVP performance. Why can't you just... Why can't you just turn around and go to Rodgers? Hey, look, we we didn't think you had this in you. You did. You proved us wrong. We think you got four or five more years of football at a high level. Let's get this done. You, you know, otherwise, if they feel like what this past year was was just a fluke, right? And that they're still their evaluation of this guy is still in play. That he's only got a couple of years left. Then. They shouldn't have any issue with trading him. If anything, they should be eager to trade him because, hey, we know this guy better than anybody, and we think he's only got a a, a couple of more good years in him, Mm -hmm. even though he just won an MVP. What a perfect time. If anything, they should be pumped that he won the MVP because now you can look at it and say his value may never be higher. We can get a haul for this guy, for a guy that we think is done in a couple years. Yeah, the year year before last year – Last year's the MVP, 13-3 the team went. He completed 70.7% of his passes, 4,299 yards, 48 TDs, Mike. 48 Crazy. TDs. Crazy. And I don't know what his interceptions were. The year before, though, they were 13-3. and He completed 62% for 4,000 yards and had 26 TDs. So, you know, maybe they're looking at, like, A, la- but you can't look at Aaron Rodgers and say last year was an anomaly. The year before was his first year in a new offense right. where it was a new scheme. And he told me, Aaron told me, he's like, the difference between Mike McCarthy and and Matt LaFleur is we're more scheme-oriented. Um, you know, we rely on the scheme to get guys open. We set people up. Whereas Mike McCarthy wanted to get one-on-one situations and just throw it to the to the best matchup. Like, hey, if I can get my guy on your guy, we have a great matchup there, right? So it's a little bit different in the way they approach it. But the way he played last year was just outrageous. Outrageous. Sublime. Yeah. Well, it it's a it's a fascinating story. It is it remains the biggest story in, in all the NFL as we wait to see what, what's gonna happen. I guess a, a maybe a close second now is what's gonna happen with Julio Jones. Who went right. on with your pal Shannon Sharp on on FS1 and said, "I'm out of here." Right. I, you know, oh, that thing's sour. Right, right. Uh, now, first off, Atlanta is talking about a first round draft choice for Julio. You think they'll get a first rounder for Julio? Receiver north of thirty, coming off an injury plague season. I doubt it. Right. And and it's not even that. It's not even that the first rounders are coveted because they they hit or because they're great, because they're whatever. What, the first-rounders are more coveted because of the salary, the cost certainty, than they are, hey, man, this guy, we're going to, you know, this guy's going to change our franchise. So there is there is a little bit of the intrigue of being a first-rounder and what you might get 
but the the bigger I think the bigger deal there is well we've got uh you know we've got an opportunity to set somebody's salary for the next five years and you know and if hey if the guy becomes a superstar we'll tear it up after three years and redo it but if he's just a good player man we'll we'll milk it out plus you, know? you get to sell the illusion of potential that gives fans wood you know yeah. plus and plus for gms and stuff it buys you time yeah so so you know, I think that's where where Julio Jones. Because I will tell you right now, Julio Jones. Like, is he is he more valuable than any any first? Yeah, he probably is more valuable. Trading a known commodity for an unknown commodity, the guy is phenomenal. But as you said, north of thirty, injury riddled. I think he missed uh, seven games last year or so, maybe nine games. It, like. That's that's part of the deal, but Julio Jones can flat out, and that guy can flat out play. And here's the other thing, Mike. I've done enough Atlanta games where I'm on the field on Thursday or Fridays. Man, he's a he's a no not he's not a diva. He just goes to work, and he is just working and setting a tone where everybody's got to yeah, everybody's got to jump up their game. Um, so really, really interesting. To see kind of what what that go, what what goes down there with Julio Jones. Well, and you had Terry Fontenot, the new GM, coming over and saying, "Hey, look, you know, at some point we got to deal with our salary cap issue. You know, we we got these kind of contracts that we just can't keep, mm-hmm. you know, restructuring, and that that's kind of code for like, look, the for sale sign is up. I right? Mean, that we you know we can we can we can uh, win six games. We can lose ten, eleven games with Julio Jones. We can mm-hmm. lose ten, eleven games without him." Plus, we got Matt Ryan that we're still believing mm-hmm. in, and if he's, you know, the kind of quarterback that he is, he can make receivers, you know, like a Russell Gage or uh, Calvin Ridley. You know, they're the next next one. So, if he is indeed traded, and it sure seems like he will, all right, let's play the same game that we're playing with Aaron Rodgers. Where where does he go? Yeah. So he's already said. Well, Atlanta's basically said they don't want to trade him in the NFC. He'd be great with the Giants. But he said he wants to go win a champion. Like he wants to go win. He said he didn't want to go to Dallas on Shannon Sharp's show. So, like, that leaves AFC teams, right? To me, there's two teams that make probably two teams that make the most sense. Maybe there's three teams that make a ton of sense in the AFC. All right, and. I'm not going to get worry about salary cap or any of that stuff right now for the the for this conversation. Why? Because if you want him, you'll find a way to get him. You'll find a way to to fit him. So my number one team that I think he's got a chance: Buffalo, the Bills. Ooh, wow, yeah, him and Stephon Diggs. Yeah, ready made on the other side of Stephon Diggs. They have got. You know, they're a spread shotgun, throw the football all over the place football team. Kansas City Chiefs. The rich on offense get richer. Mm-hmm. You know that Andy Reid doesn't trade. Look at the Super Bowl. He doesn't want averages 7.5 yards a carry and doesn't want to run the ball. Like that, that makes sense to me. Indianapolis. Indianapolis is Another interesting. Another good one, yeah. Like, can you get. Can one can you get Carson Wentz to play, you know, good football again? 
They've got a great running game, really good offensive line. Um, obviously, Julio Jones after what ha- after what happened to you last year, where I mean, you look at Carson Wentz last year with the Eagles, and I, I tell you what, his receiving court retired and didn't tell anybody. Right, they were awful. right, just awful. Alshon Jeffries was horrible. The rookie uh, uh, Rager was was uh, horrible. Jalen Rager. Um, he, well, I shouldn't say horrible. He just wasn't, just wasn't impactful, right? Yeah, impactful. Um, so I, it just is. What about uh, Raiders? What about New England? Belichick loves those Alabama guys, and now, he looks at it as like, I mean, come on, Belichick's making it quite clear. He's embarrassed by what Brady did last year. He's trying to get back quickly. Saw what he did in free agency. Yeah. Why stop there? New England does. New England does make some sense. I, I will tell you, though, if you're Julio, let's face it. I think receivers look at this thing like fans look at it. Who's the quarterback? Absolutely. I wouldn't want to go to New England if no. I was Julio. Oh. You, you just named three or four teams I'd much rather go to. Right, because if you're Julio, you're like, yeah, I'd go there. They, they went with the double tight end package. And, you know, how long is Cam going to be? Mm-hmm. Good for. Is it going to be four games this year, eight games this year? Is it going to be twelve games? Like, at what point does he start falling apart? What if they make a move to Mac Jones? Right. Then, then where am I at? Right. So I got a couple years left in this league at a high level. I got to break in a, a a rookie quarterback. No thanks. Now I think you hit the teams: Buffalo, Indy. Um, how about how about how about Cleveland? Cleveland is interesting. I, I just don't know. Like Odell, does Odell Beckham Jr. come back this year to Cleveland? Like, wh- where is his health at? I guess if I'm Cleveland, do I want to tie myself to that, or would I rather try to move on? Well, because is Julio Jones for all the reasons you just said? Is he much more reliable than OBJ? Well, there's no question he's much more reliable, and. They have got an outstanding football team, so that that could be that could be a possibility. But there's some good possibilities in the in the uh, AFC for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. So hey, it's a fascinating offseason. Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones. We wait. June first, here it comes. June for it'll be interesting. If they can't work trades, are they just going to cut guys? Ooh, there's another. The vet, you know what? You're right. The veteran free agent. Post June one market should be fun to watch too. Right, could be some good big names out there. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth podcast, uh, I am Mark. He is Mike. Like to thank uh, our presenting sponsor, great folks over there at Superbook for all your uh, for America's best bet. Try out Superbook at Superbook dot com. Mike, thank you, buddy.